Welcome to episode 106 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who can name more stand countries than you can, mm-hmm. John Scott Sloat. It, it, it helps to go there. You yeah. know, it helps to visit, to be there. Yes. Um, you, you're able to understand the terrain a bit better, I think. You know, it, it helps to go to some stand countries yeah. in Central Asia. Yeah. I, you're one of the few people I probably know who's been to a stand country, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It was it was not a vacation. That's that's for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, do you go to a stand country for vacation? I don't think so. Okay. Although I know Kazakhstan, before everything that is currently happening in Kazakhstan, uh, was trying to build like the world's new Dubai um, in Kazakhstan. Okay. Well, it's probably not that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Given the current situation, that's going to be a tough sell. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, John, we are um, in the second week of 2022. Yeah. Classes have not yet started. Start what, Wednesday? Yes. So by the time this episode drops on a Tuesday, that's tomorrow. So uh, still uh, kind of in break mode, but not really. This is where you're starting to amp up for getting things ready for the start of classes. Yep. But you're not teaching. No, no. Well, I'm teaching online. So I have some – some distant students just got a new student from Italy that I'm excited to engage with and interact okay. with later this week. Nice. So teaching teaching a little Greek online. So you're scratching your international itch through a little bit online education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, as best I can. Yeah. If you would like to get in to- contact with the show, you can find us on Twitter at VNS Pod. You can email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail You can also find us on Facebook. And on YouTube, Various and Sundry Podcast. We would love for you to uh, leave us a review and a five-star rating on whatever platform you access the show. So are, are, are we ready to announce some, some big news about a first coming up for the Various and Sundry Podcast? Oh, gosh. Um, sure. Can we announce sure. that? Sure. I, I think so. Yes. I got a text about it this weekend. A student found out and texted me about it. Okay. All right. Well, since you've been the primary person interacting with uh, this, the person scheduling this, I, I think you should be the one to break the news. Yeah. Uh, the the date's blanking on me at the moment, but uh, – January 21st. Jan- January 21st. We're doing uh, VNS Pod in chapel. Yes. Our first ever live episode so in front be, of a studio audience. Yeah. They'll be uh, – I mean if they choose not if, – if they attend and don't skip that day <laughs> – there's a thousand people will be there. Yeah, something like that. That'll be pretty good. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We are still finalizing details of what that's gonna look like. But it'll be it'll be probably like this. Um headphones, I imagine. Yeah. Microphones, coffee. Yes. Discussion. Yeah. And potentially questions. Questions from the yeah. audience. Yeah. How do we want to play that? Do we want to Run those through Brent, who who has a microphone, because Brent will do like our chaplain. We'll do like mm-hmm. text in these questions that you have. I think we need a filter. What, I I agree. Yeah, that's um, so. I think you want to make, th- make Brent the filter. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm comfortable doing that. Okay. And we're gonna give him a microphone. Yeah, I think I think he's got to be the question asker. Okay. Potentially. Do we okay. take this with us? I, I don't the know. Recording how, equipment. I don't know how the technology is gonna work on that. I don't know either. Um, but 
we have people smarter than us about these things. I hope so. Yeah. Help us figure it out. So uh, that means that that episode, we'll, we'll record it on January 21st. And that episode will then, uh, I think, we'll be able to post that the following week. I think so. Yeah. Which that would be the episode that would drop on the, let's see, this next one will drop on the 11th, 25th. It should drop on the 25th. Then. Nice. So, Lord willing, that's what's going to happen. So, are you nervous about a live episode, John? Um, I mean, I, I speak in chapel this Friday, so I'll I'll be up there already. But no, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm nervous. Okay, I think I feel normal nervous. Normal nervous, okay. like like the same amount of nervous that I would to speak up there normally. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. What are you speaking on in chapel? Um. Oh my goodness. So Brent and I are doing a two part. Brent's doing like basically like uh, the gospel as it calls us, right? Right to mm-hmm. to be saved and those sorts of things. And then and then I'm sort of picking that up. Okay, now that we're Christians, what what does the gospel call us to? What what does following Jesus look like? Okay. Uh, and I think I think I'm going to dive into like some some two traps. I think I'm going to fall into the trap of the gospel just really calls us to be moral, mm-hmm. and the other trap is the gospel calls us to just be ourselves. And uh, and try to flesh those out a little bit, um, and then try to give some like, here's some here's some things in following Jesus, mm-hmm. and I think just like doing it for you know do these things for the next forty fifty years, you know is probably one of them. Okay, um, you know, <laughs> right, right, like 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 that's kind of part of it, right? Just longevity over time doing these things. Yes, yes, the the beauty and. Uh, of a simple, faithful life, I think, mm-hmm. is often overlooked. Yeah, with the desire to be famous or to have a big platform or to or grandiose you know, gestures yeah, or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah, and uh, God tends to advance the gospel more, I think, in many ways through simple, faithful, obedient followers mm-hmm. living ordinary. Christian lives yeah. in their context. So it's a little bit different because I because I have a topic, not a mm-hmm. passage, which yeah. I, I much prefer the passage route. Yeah. Because right now I'm just sort of like kind of all over the place. What what do I – so I'm trying to zero it in right now is what I'm trying to do. Gotcha. Well, let's talk a little sports, John. Yeah. Um, we've got the uh, – as, as we record today, the college football national championship game – is tonight between two SEC schools that I don't like. So is there a way that this can end with no winner? Is that possible? If, if there's a massive COVID breakout? Yeah, probably or that. probably too late for that. Um, you could root for the power to go out like it happened to the Ravens in the That's Super true. Bowl. That's true. Um, that might be a, a win of some kind. Yeah. Um, you could – I mean it's in Indianapolis, right? Yeah. The game tonight. So yeah, it's, it's a couple near, hours away. near yeah. here. Um, you could, I mean, you could root for ice storm hits the stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that's probably quasi realistic. Yep, I suppose. I suppose. Well, let's talk some NFL. Yeah, you actually give a pick. I mean, to go on the record here. Oh goodness, um, Bama or Georgia? Uh, I'll probably choose Bama. That, that seems like the. That's yeah, who I think will pick. win. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that it's who I want to win. I'd probably prefer it if Georgia won. Yeah, I guess. But but I think Bama will win. Yeah, whatever. Let's talk NFL. Okay. What's going on with the Jets? 
Uh, Jets lost yesterday, but played played hard, um, which is what you want when you have a losing record. Who did they lose to? Uh, the Bills. Okay. So, a playoff team. So playoff team, uh, division champ, but they, they played – they kept it close most of the game and then lost it in the fourth quarter. Okay, um, but it was a one one and a half score game uh, for most of the game. So all right, they played hard, um, and that's what you, I think that's what you want from your four win team. So they finished four and thirteen. Yes. Okay, and I think I saw they're like fourth in draft order. Is fourth right? and fourth and tenth. Okay. Yeah, because we have that Seattle pick. Yeah. So uh, some opportunities. In the draft to, to get better. Yeah, and we have a we have a bunch of salary cap that we can spend in free agency as well. So, if the off season goes well, I don't see any reason we can't be eight nine win team next year. Okay, with some more development from some of our young players. Well, yesterday was a a, a fascinating day in the NFL. Yes, because last last uh, day of the season, regular season, and lots of playoff stuff going on. The Colts went into yesterday's game. In control of their own destiny. Only needing to beat the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. And they got thumped. They got thumped. Yeah. I mean, I watched that whole game waiting for them to come back, and it just it just never, never happened. happened. Yeah. So that opened the door for some other teams. One of those, which uh, was the Pittsburgh Steelers, mm-hmm. who uh, beat the Ravens in overtime. Mm-hmm. And as a result, uh, basically— Locked in their playoff position after the set of one o'clock games, the only thing that could have messed them up was the Chargers Raiders game last night, a Sunday night game. They were in unless the Raiders and the Chargers tied, <laughs> in which case both the Raiders and the Chargers would wow. get in and the Steelers wouldn't. And it almost happened. And you know, there's all this talk on social media of why don't they just agree to tie, like agree to go out there and just, you know, kneel it down every few, you know. <laughs> and obviously that wasn't going to happen. Oh, yeah. There would have been some outrage on the other yeah, end. But yeah. the game goes into overtime and it wasn't decided until the Raiders kicked a game winner as time expired in overtime to win it by three. Mm-hmm. So it, it almost happened. But the Raiders get in. The Chargers don't. Steelers are in. Um, just some bizarre stuff going on. And yeah. then, of course— The AFC was a lot of fun yesterday. It was. It was. And then, of course, uh, today is Black Monday in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And as we record today, there have been three firings, Vikings and Bears, both expected. Both very expected, yes. The unexpected one was the Dolphins yeah. dumping their coach. Yeah. That was a little surprising. I mean, the Dolphins started off terrible— and then they ripped off a, like five or six in a row, I think. Eight. Eight in a row. But still didn't make the playoffs. Got too far back and, That's and, right. and couldn't quite rally. So that was a little surprising. They were the first team to have a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak in the same season. <laughs> That's so bizarre. That's so, a wild stat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, number one seeds in both conferences, Packers in the NFC and Titans in the mm-hmm. AFC. So they get the first round by. Everybody else has to play. Jets beat the Titans, by the way, this year. Yes. You're going to hang your hat on that one. I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> the Titans had kind of a strange season. They they had some strange losses. The Jets was one of – there was another game where they lost where you're like, how did they – was it the Texans they lost to? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Just weird. Well, and, you know, 
I didn't pay attention to the Titans season, but I looked up and they were in first place. I went, how does, how does that even happen? Because Derrick Henry's been out yes. a good bit this season. Yes. Is he back for the playoffs? Do you know? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so, but I, I guess I don't know. So uh, next weekend is the uh, wild card weekend. Um, two games Saturday, three games Sunday, and a, a playoff game on a Monday night. Yeah. That's, that's a new wrinkle. That is a new one. So. I mean, for for the NFL, if I could just stop and say, the, the 18th week worked out really well. Everybody was talking about it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from a business perspective, it's it, it's clearly a win. Um, I just laugh when the NFL claims they care about player safety. Sure. And they add a game to the season. And yeah, so. <laughs> uh, NBA, uh, you want to briefly talk about your Knicks? Um, I think they hit 500 this week. Um, okay. RJ Barrett hit a last second uh, three-pointer, banked it in to win the game against the Celtics. I think I saw a highlight of that, yeah. Yeah, and then they turned around and lost on Saturday to the Celtics. So. Was that the same game that um, Julius Randle gave a thumbs down to the crowd or something like that? There was some buzz about him. Yeah. They were kind of booing. He hit a shot or something and then like – Gave him the thumbs down. Gave him the thumbs down or something. So. Yeah, I don't – that might have been the same game. It was. It was in Madison Square Garden. Um, but you're just never going to win going against the fans. No, no, he's not. It's never. just. It's always a losing proposition. Yeah. So, uh, probably the biggest story coming out of the NBA in the last few days is the return of Clay Thompson. Yeah, he seemed to play well last night. Was that last, last night? night? Yes, it yeah. was. I think he had 17. Yeah. So, uh, I, I can't stand the the Warriors, but. I enjoy watching Clay Thompson play basketball. Yeah. Clay Thompson came back about the same time I learned Bob Saget died last yes. night. Yes. Yes. Yes, of Full House and America's Funniest Videos. Fame. America's Funniest Home Videos. There yes, which yes. I saw somebody on Twitter uh, go like, for the 90s, that was YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we all gathered it on Sunday evening to watch yes. YouTube yes. on TV. Yeah. What 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 a what a time to be alive! What a time to be alive! Sixty five. He's not that old. I know. I know. Sixty five. I know. And no no drugs, from what I understand. That they, I mean, they found him dead in his hotel room, right? Right. So there's no evidence at this point of foul play or drug use, but you know, who knows what the autopsy shows? Yeah. Or, they know. were a little quick on the dr- no drug use sort of thing. Well, I think that's just to get out in front of the rumors. But, Probably. You know, you get yeah. the autopsy in and who knows. But 65, though. 65, that's young. That's, yeah, that's, that's too young. young. So, all right. Well, speaking of death, let's talk Ooh. our main topic, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, the podcast. Okay. So uh, – It's been over now for a few weeks. Yeah. So we briefly – do we devote a whole segment to this? Yeah, we did a whole app. Oh goodness! Um, this summer, I thought it was wasn't it fall? Didn't it? When did it launch? It launched this summer because I was on the road because I did a we did our first episode about it when I was in Akron at a youth conference. Okay, that would have been July. So, uh, this podcast done by Mike Cosper through Christianity Today chronicles the, as the title indicates, the rise the explosion of popularity of Mark Driscoll and the church that he planted, Mars Hill, mm-hmm. and its eventual falling collapse. Um, and 
it's uh, it kind of became a, a bit of a thing within yeah. the evangelical world. And I think it probably got outside the evangelical world a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, it was a top trending podcast on most platforms. Um, so it was a it was like a hey, check out this podcast, which yeah. rarely do Christian podcasts make it right. up there. So. Right. So uh, you know, Mark Driscoll uh, planted the church Mars Hill in the Seattle area, and um, in the in the late nineties, late nineties. And he was an interesting dude in that he he was initially kind of part of that emerging church mm-hmm. crowd, um, but he was he was too conservative and reformed for that crowd. But he was also a little too emerging early for yeah. kind of mainstream uh, conservative evangelicals. That yep. changed over time. He kind of realigned and cut all ties really with the emerging crowd. Um, but um, he became a massive big deal in part as the podcast helps you understand through leveraging uh, – he was very early in on getting content posted online in terms of his sermons. Yes. And that became really what took him from a big deal within Seattle mm-hmm. and in smaller circles to being a big deal everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I mean you could – I mean, you might be able to still go find his sermons online, but um, I mean, it used to be like every week, guys my age were going mm-hmm. on there and just just listening, yeah, listening to his sermons. Yeah, so he his popularity continued to grow. Planted multiple churches. He was uh, at one point wasn't he was he not the the lead of the Acts twenty nine church planting? He started the Acts twenty nine church planting network and was yeah. the lead of it, mm-hmm. um, and handed that over. Two thousand fourteen. That sound right? It would have been before that because Mars Hill kind of crashed, I think, in like 2013 or 2014. Okay. So he, okay. So he handed maybe it over before 2012 that. maybe. Yeah. Handed it off to Matt Chandler. Um, so um, – and then, you know, he it's, it's fascinating how he ended up being asked by the elders of his church to temporarily step aside to seek uh, – discipleship and counseling in terms of some of his yeah. abusive leadership patterns and he decided to resign instead. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy how it literally felt like overnight the church just collapsed. Yeah. I mean, it it shut down within uh, a matter of a few months. A few months, I think. So th- the podcast tells that story. Uh we're more interested perhaps in um kind of thinking big picture about this. So um, I'll ask you the first question here. What was so appealing about Driscoll and Mars Hill? Because I was never a big Driscoll guy. Yeah. I knew who he was, and I think I've shared the story of meeting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) On the pod. But but you were much more into Mm -hmm. Driscoll's uh, preaching than I was. Yeah, I I think it was something – different. It had edge. It had sarcasm. It was almost like watching a stand-up comedian preach mm-hmm. uh, is kind of what it felt like. And I think for the – particularly the young man uh, in in their yeah. late teens and uh, up into their early 30s, that, that was really attractive. Yeah. Uh, and I think there was something that, that drew us to that as, as well as like a – and I think this is missing this right now from from evangelicalism is – 
there there is something about he he really spoke and called out men to to lead and mm-hmm. and do things and and he did some of that really poorly as the podcast points out. Yep. Uh, but that doesn't mean that men aren't looking for that um, yeah. necessarily in the church. And that at least a chunk of men need, need that. that. Yeah. 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 So so I think I think those things make him uh, appealing. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Um, why do you think this podcast is so popular? Oh my goodness! I mean, you have to like when Mike Cosper sat down to do this. There's no way he imagined it would be this big. Yeah, um, man. Uh, there, there's a few things. Um, one, uh, Driscoll was incredibly polarizing mm-hmm. uh, as a figure. Everybody either adored and loved him or despised him. Like, mm-hmm. like there, there was there was sort of both. Um, yeah. So there's that. He also in in the Christian Twitter world back back at that time, probably before Twitter was as big as it is now, mm-hmm. was the number one person to follow on Christian Twitter. Yeah, right. Right. He had the most followers of anybody. Um, I don't think that's true anymore. I don't even know who it could be right now. But mm-hmm. but he he had the most followers. So there was just like a lot of a lot of people. And then I mean he he left a trail of bodies behind him. Yeah. And I, and I think those are stories that are really compelling um, and really uh, interesting to listen to mm-hmm. um, from an insider's perspective that, that you know, I did not have sitting in Indiana and then towards the end of his ministry, I was in Louisville. Um, that I just didn't – I just wasn't on the ground in Seattle. Right. didn't know what was going on. Right. So I think those things made it, made it really, really big. Yeah. Well, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, and and this gets into an area where we might even talk a little bit about a concern, and others have raised this, but um, there isn't there's an aspect to this kind of journalism of um, just being fascinated with big personalities and their mm-hmm. and their destruction, basically, and their like downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a cultural phenomenon. This felt like the first foray into that area to some degree within the evangelical subculture at this kind of level. Now, there's plenty of watchdog blogs out there. And sure. I'm sure there's plenty of watchdog uh, podcasts out there. I'm, I'm sure they exist. Mm-hmm. But this was through Christianity Today, and this took on a life of its own such that even non-Christians were listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's just an interesting dynamic of is that a good thing? Yeah. And um, I, I kind of go back and forth. On the one hand, I think at its best, the fact that this exposed harmful patterns of behavior as a warning to other Christians – it serves a good purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do worry about the kind of appetite that it creates or feeds yeah. that can easily slide into the sort of um, kind of Christian gossip, Christian celebrity gossip kind of world. Yeah, I, I think at its best, um, it is cautionary tales, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is good – like I, I really think, and I've had a few students listen to this podcast. I think it's really good for students to listen to this and reflect mm-hmm. on the things that are happening there. 
it's a cautionary tale. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. I think where it could potentially be unhelpful uh, is it turns into The Bachelor. Yeah. And we're watching this to to watch the drama uh, mm-hmm. ensue. And, and I think that's really not helpful. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, th- those are my two comparisons, Cautionary Tale and The Bachelor, which I <laughs> just came up with in the moment and I there really like. Okay. Yeah. Good. So um, I think some of the pushback on the podcast – on that podcast has been interesting because it's come from a variety of different angles. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, you've had um, people within the sort of reformed evangelical world saying um, – all, all of the criticisms like – or maybe not all, but it felt like a predominance of the people you brought on to criticize Driscoll were from much more of the progressive, left-leaning kind of mm-hmm. Christian side of things and could easily give the impression that there weren't conservative critics of Driscoll all along who are saying, this is not good. This is not healthy. Um, and I think there's, I think there's something fair about that to some degree. The, not that there was no mention of Christ, of uh, sort of conservative critics. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did mention John MacArthur and, and others, but uh, the fact that uh, the the balance did seem very skewed towards progressive, left of center kind of critics being highly and prominently featured. Um, I think is a fair criticism. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that that did happen. Although he does get criticism from the left um, as well, from from the left of center Christian for for not going hard enough. Yes, that's after. true. And and usually, I think, my goodness, if somebody's getting criticism from the right and the left, they're probably doing something right. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, I think that's fair. And you know, we're not behind the scenes. He could have invited more conservative voices and they just sort of turned it down or mm-hmm. things like that. Those are all possibilities that, that we just don't know about. Yeah. And he he did make repeated efforts to try to get Driscoll himself. And yeah. That he was... invited John Piper, Tim mm-hmm. Keller, and both yep. both declined as well. Yep. So um, I think uh, well, let's, let's get into a little bit um, – Key takeaways. I've got a few areas, but we don't have to stick to those necessarily. When it comes to when it comes to church leadership, what are some takeaways that that, that you think can be helpful from this podcast? Oh boy, um, I, it just feels like a lot. Um, that I, I I think church governance matters. Mm-hmm. You know, you know those sort of. Boring documents that no one ever reads of, of how the, the church organizes itself. Those, those yep. things really matter. Um, and you see how much they matter uh, when when he's firing a couple of elders. Um, I, I think that was one of his most underrated episodes um, in this whole thing is where he's diving into that. Uh, and, you yeah. know, Driscoll was clearly trying to set up a system where he could not be questioned or, or attacked. Yeah. Um, and that's problematic. Deeply. And I think honestly – as you know, we we are in the business of preparing people for ministry, mm-hmm. and honestly, that might be the biggest thing that I would encourage people to listen with an ear for is how the accumulation of power and the manipulation of leadership structures um, can be disastrous. Mm-hmm. And if you intentionally seek a context where you are not accountable to anybody. Or don't have people in your life who can say, 
hey, dude, that's not right. You can't mm-hmm. do that. You should not do that. That's sinful. When you said that over there or when you did this, that's totally out of line. If if you are a, a leader within a ministry and you have no one who can say that to you without fear of losing their job or being, you know, utterly destroyed, yeah. that's a that's a terrible place to be. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. Oh, absolutely agreed. Um and, and in that same vein, it, it gave me a greater appreciation for some of our institutions that are that are uh, guards, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, the seminaries uh, that are able to see a, see a student's life before he gets in the ministry, mm-hmm. the denominations that have ordination practices mm-hmm. as somebody's progressing towards ministry that could, that can look into some of these things. Right. Um, I don't. I don't think they necessarily would have stopped a Driscoll, uh, but I think no, because Driscoll just went on his own and did it. He just went. Out, he went out on his own. Yes. Yes. Um, but if he had tried to come up through a denomination, yeah. I think there could have been some more seatbelts and some delaying and, and yeah. some of those things. Yeah. But that's even something to to think about uh, when it comes to choosing a local church and just looking at how is the leadership structured? Yeah. is Are there checks in place that a sort of big personality pastor can't just run the show uh, without any sort of checks and balances in place? Yeah. Yeah. And I think related to that is even just again the, the the spiritual the spiritual life of the Christian leader and of the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um if anything the the dangers of being a celebrity pastor or a celebrity Christian have only gotten greater mm-hmm. since Driscoll's collapse. And so I think the desire to build a platform, to gain followers. If you're doing things with the specific goal of that kind of outcome, that, that's not good. Yeah. That's not good. Um, and, and just making sure that even as you're, as you're in ministry, thinking about my primary um, field of ministry is this particular local church and not becoming so uh, – enamored with wanting to have a platform outside of it that you uh, compromise your ministry to the local church. Yeah. Um, what about you? Any th- other thoughts on that sort of celebrity pastor, spiritual leadership kind of thing? Yeah. I, I thought the you know the local church is to its own geographical area and needs to probably reflect that geographical area and have its sermons tailored to that geographical area. Yeah. Was was a really important part that came out. I mean, toward the end, it sounds like they were trying to be Starbucks. Yes, you know, put a, put us, you know, basically take the same decoration, mm-hmm. the same bad coffee, and put it on every corner, <laughs> right? Um, and I thought yeah. I thought the downtown Seattle pastor who was doing like a lot of work with the poor and those mm-hmm. different things was a really good example of a guy who went. I can't do that. <laughs> right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was really uh, – I think that's a that's a big takeaway. Yeah, which, you know, Driscoll was one of the early pioneers of the I'm going to preach and have it beamed into, streamed into all these different locations. And not just in the Seattle area but like states away. Yeah, he was doing Portland and had just started uh, Southern California. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's a – that's a deficient model of mm-hmm. ministry. I was going to say something stronger, but <laughs> um, what do you think? Uh, 
any takeaways about let's talk a little bit about complementarianism because a big focus of the podcast was the church culture and how it treated women. Mm-hmm. So um, you and I are are complementarian in our theology. Mm-hmm. What kind of takeaways do you think we should have from hearing what went on at Driscoll's Church? Yeah, um, I, I think a bit of the cautionary tale there is don't allow any doctrine, complementarianism included, uh, extend beyond what it needs to ex- extend to. Um, it sounds like they uh, – Mars Hill seems to have extended complementarianism to, to every area of life uh, mm-hmm. and, and it, it didn't need to do that. Um, yeah. So uh, not – you know, you can take any doctrine too far mm-hmm. um, and so not allowing it to extend too far. Yeah. I, I do think one of my frustrations in listening to the podcast was – the um, – although this – I won't say it never happened. I felt like it was far too rare that there was the blurring of the lines way too frequently between Driscoll's distortion of complementarian theology mm-hmm. and what complementarian theology itself is or his his awful application of complementarian theology. Yeah. As a way of just sort of, well, see, all that's just got to go. Mm-hmm. All that's just toxic, to use the term that's all the rage today. Sure. Um, and so I want to say it is absolutely appropriate to reevaluate whether our application of theological beliefs is actually warranted or not. But um, I get, yeah, I just, I, I did not enjoy the heavy dose of the vibe of, see, this just proves that complementarianism is needs to be thrown out because of Driscoll's misapplication of it or distortion of it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think it's always wise to, to reevaluate and say, OK, um, is our application of what we think is biblical actually rooted in the biblical text? Yeah. Or is this more rooted in tradition? And should we reevaluate that? Can we reflect on that and say, actually, you know what? There's really no reason why we can't have women serving in this capacity. There's no biblical warrant against it. So yep. let's look for ways to celebrate and uh, maximize ministry opportunities for women mm-hmm. that are not biblically prohibited. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anything else here? Uh, actually, I want to hit on this last one here. Remind me of his right hand man. Is it Sullivan? Was that what – there, begin with an S. Um, oh my goodness! I forget what is. I'm blanking on his name. The now. guy that repented in yes. the last episode. Yeah, yes. I, I can't remember his name. Um, it was fascinating because um, obviously Driscoll has never come out and basically said I was wrong. This was terrible, and seemingly hasn't interpersonally done that either. Right. Yeah. And yet, in this last episode, they went through and talked about how uh, Driscoll's right hand man. His name began with an S. I think Sullivan doesn't sound right to me, but in any case, we're going to use yeah. it. How he <laughs> he basically, after the fact, realized how he had wronged people and has been quietly going and reaching out privately to these individuals that he's wronged to try to meet with them and personally 
apologize, repent, ask for forgiveness, not in some big showy way of going on the talk show circuit or something like that or even hosting his own podcast and you know trying to profit from his experience. It's just sure. I'm trying to find these people. I'm trying to reach out. Can we have a private conversation and allow me to tell you I'm so sorry for wronging you in this way? Yeah. I think that's a I, – I liked – that Cosper kind of ended on that note or that was part of a big part of the last episode yeah. because it, I think it showed, again, the, the potential power of the gospel on that to, to genuine, genuinely bring conviction of sin and for someone to say, yeah, this is what it looks like, I think, to, to, to seek restoration, to repent. So, yeah, and I, th- I think he was, he was needed to be in contrast with Driscoll who yeah. – you know, had, had I mean, they told that story of the young man who went up to him at his church in Arizona and mm-hmm. and tried to to get him to repent and and talk through things and yeah, just kind of refused. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Driscoll has refused comment in general. I think he's just trying to kind of ignore it, pretend like it's not existing. Yeah. But it has brought, I think, a little bit more attention to his church in Arizona that he's planted, and that's not good for Driscoll because mm-hmm. I think. The more media attention there is, the more they're going to start to see similar patterns apparently are still uh, ongoing at this new church. Yeah. Um, my biggest gripe uh, with, with the pod, the, the, the Driscoll pod, the rise and fall, um, he went down some weird episodes that did not need <laughs> to happen. Um, two that come to mind. Uh, there was one episode that he just did an analogy to Bobby Knight. Uh, not just an analogy. Like it's like he went. It's it, an extended metaphor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he went in depth for like thirty minutes. Like he was doing an episode about the rise and fall of Bobby Knight. It was at like a Indiana. thirty for thirty. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I get that there's maybe some parallels between the model of leadership from Bobby Knight and Mark Driscoll, but I and I and I love basketball, and I'm familiar with the Bobby Knight story. It was unnecessary. It, it, it felt unnecessary. Um, and then the long episode with uh, uh, Joshua Harris. Yeah, that felt like a side. Uh, yeah, I, that, it felt like we were hitting on Cosper's hobby horses a little bit. You know, <laughs> a like bit. here, I want to talk. You know, I oh, I got access to Joshua Harris, who's yeah. like loosely related to Driscoll. Right. Let's do a whole thing with him. Yeah. And then I really love Indiana basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and the Colts. He's a big Colts fan too. He yeah. was tweeting this weekend about uh, his Colts. Um, and so. uh, yeah, it just it just seemed to not mm-hmm. – to come out of left field a little bit. Both, yeah. those, both those episodes were. Yeah. And he has said I think um, that they are looking at doing something new. Like that he's – I think he's talked a little bit about – I can't say specifics, but we're looking at new opportunities. So it makes me wonder – are they going to do something on James McDonald's church and fall and that sort of stuff? Are they going to do – yeah. Yeah. It seems like James McDonald or, or Ravi would be uh, mm-hmm. the top two to yeah. have, an, have, a, have a series after them next. Yeah. If you're going to continue with that. Yeah. But I think that, that would lend itself to a little bit more towards the bachelor side of things and mm-hmm. less towards the cautionary tale yeah. side of things. Yeah. Any last thoughts on Rise and Fall of Mars Hill? Um. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed the pod personally. Yeah. We'll have some links in the show notes um, to some articles. One is an interview with Cosper that he did that where he kind of gives a little behind-the-scenes look. 
Um, the other two are just some uh, reflections. One of them is kind of a cautionary, like be careful that you're not listening for the wrong reasons kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, But having said that, it's time to move on to this day in sports history. Yeah. Um, I'll read this off for us. Uh, 1953 on January 11th. Uh, uh, Bevo Francis, is that how you pronounce it? I think that? so. Maybe Bevo, I'm not sure. Bevo Francis uh, at Rio Grande College scores 116 points in a basketball game. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's quite a few. I'm surprised that hasn't happened more recently with the uh, – because there are some of those college teams, particularly smaller colleges, that'll that'll get one score and just yeah. feed that guy all night. Yeah. You know, actually, there's a uh, an award named after uh, Francis for the like small college basketball player of the year. So more really D three NAIA kind hmm. of stuff. So, uh, 1958 college basketball, Oscar Robertson, Robertson uh, scores 56. Um, Seton Hall um, scores 54. Yeah, so by himself he outscored Seton Hall. And he played. For, he played for Cincinnati. Is he that did. Right? Okay, he did. Uh, Nineteen seventy-seven Super Bowl uh, eleven. Had to do my Roman numerals there. Uh, <laughs> at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, Oakland Raiders beat the Vikings thirty-two fourteen. MVP. Oh boy, you got this, Fred uh, Balentikoff. Balitnikov. Balitnikov. Um, the uh, the Oakland Raider uh, wide receiver. Yes, the uh, the award for the best receiver in college football is named after him. Okay. Yep. Uh, 1991, baseball officially bans Pete Rose from being elected to the Hall of Fame for betting on baseball. Yeah. The 80s were a crazy time for baseball. Yeah, though. Yeah, I mean, that, that was 1991. But right, right. But he played. He, he would. 70s and 80s. 70s yeah. and 80s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in, in 86, he was player manager. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we'll see a player manager again in baseball? I don't think so. I, I no, wonder how that contract would work out. How would that work out with the Players Association as well? Yeah. That'd be tough. I think you're right. So, Although uh, baseball, maybe it makes more sense than any other sport. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, basketball used to have it way back in the 60s. I think Yeah. Um, um, I'm blanking on Bill Russell. Was the really what was at one point the uh, I believe the the coach and the all star center for the wow. Boston Celtics. So you got a preference out of that group of options? Um, here? Maybe Oscar Robinson beating a team by himself. Really, I thought for sure you'd go with baseball banning Pete Rose. Yeah, that's not an on the field thing. I I, I think I don't know. I, I do love banning people. Well, that sounds. <laughs> I think you gotta. Do you, Do you think they have Pete, Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame someday? Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Certainly not in his lifetime. Yeah, I think after he dies, certainly I not think in his lifetime. You can't tell the story of baseball without Pete Rose. But that doesn't mean you have to put him in the in the in the Hall of Fame. You can still have a display about him without inducting him into the Hall mm. of Fame as an – because inducting him into the Hall of Fame is like saying he's one of the best players ever. Mm-hmm. And he was. He was. But, you know, you also got the steroid stuff. Like baseball is just in a bit of a a hard spot there when it comes to is Hall of like, – how much does like the sort of the moral character cheating kind of stuff play yeah. into – 
I think it's a fascinating question. Especially when it comes to transgressions that affect the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. So anyway, who are we going with? Uh, I'll leave it to you. <laughs> um, let's go with Pete Rose. Okay. One thing you liked. Okay. Uh, this will go along with last week's one thing I liked. Uh, so I watched Once Upon a Time in Queens, mm-hmm. and now I'm reading the book, The Bad Guys Won, The Story of the 1986 Mets. Okay. So that's been fascinating. All right. Gotcha. That's been a really, really good book. Uh, audiobook on on the Scribd app. Okay. All right. Really fascinating book. Gotcha. So I'm going to go with uh, – I actually went to an Ohio State basketball game this past week. Nice. With my two boys and they played at IU. So went to Assembly Hall. Have you ever been to Assembly Hall? One time. Yep, one time. It's a great venue. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, historic. Uh, our seats were in the upper balcony. So not great seats but – Serviceable. It almost bends over the court, yeah, from what I remember. So it's wild. Steep. Yeah, the, the the seating just goes at such a steep angle. There, a lot of fun to to go to go there with my boys. Um, unfortunately, Ohio State played like garbage. Okay, uh, and lost by sixteen. So it was competitive until about halfway through the second half, and just Ohio State couldn't hit a shot to save their lives and just played terrible. Uh, so. The only time I was there is when Grace College. Yes, against, I was there as well. Uh, played against IU. Yes. I, I've i been to Assembly Hall now three times. That one, this most recent one, and then when I was in college, mm. uh, we were visiting friends. Uh, Kate and I actually were visiting friends at IU and uh, went to a basketball game, borrowed some student IDs that were not ours. Wow. Got into the game free. Just a lawless person. I was. Wow. I was. They so didn't even check. Like you just like had to kind of flash the ID even like remotely like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't remember a thing about the game. I just remember getting in. So in any case, those that's my confession right there. Wow. Yeah. It's good for the soul. It is good for the soul. So uh, we have talked sports. We've talked rise and fall of Mars Hill. We've talked uh, Pete Rose. We've talked sports books. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've talked attending an OSU basketball game. I think we have, by definition, covered our various things that we talked about. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yes. So uh, I think all that's left to say at this point is then the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.